1: Hello, and welcome to Arn. This is Paul Bromwell, and today I'm joined by the Hall of Famer, founder of the Four Horsemen, creator of that Spine Buster. He's the 1A Tag Team Wrestling, our television champion, and my tag team partner, buddy, I love you. And the 2024 Frank Gotch Award winner, he's the enforcer. He's double-A. He's Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you doing this week, man?
0: Well, I was just figuring, in case anybody didn't remember who I was, I thought I would billboard it.
1: I love it. The shirt looks fantastic. That's me. And well, I like that color.
0: So do I. It's different. A little bit different. Wine it, colored. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, man. It's ah, it's good to see you. I just got back. You and I called up a little bit yesterday in the car as I was coming back from Tampa. And, uh, and I know you're busy t- as hell too. We're doing a little bit of travel. I'm headed to Orlando for the shoot job next weekend Um, So there's a lot going on already this year, but uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about before we get into the show is uh, we haven't talked since you and Brock did your thing for AML, Act of War Games, and Winston-Salem. How did that all go down?
0: To be a difficult premise alone and a difficult match to put together and and actually execute is not easy, and I was so proud of everybody that was in it. Uh, Everybody stepped up. It was a very, very good audience. They loved it. They were with it the whole time. You know, North Carolina are great wrestling fans. And uh, the talent really worked their butt off. It was just, uh, and just the, you know, the whole history of, of war games type matches. And for Brock to be in one of those, I was very happy for him. Well, what was
1: the, uh, what was the finish? Who won? I Like, you got to fill us in. but you know, it wasn't, I didn't get to see it.
0: <laughs> well, who would have thunk that George South, as nice a man as he is, sweetheart of a guy, would be a vicious bastard. Uh, as everyone got in and everybody was fighting, Ricky Morton came in and uh, cleaned house. We had a little bit more match, and he put the figure four on one of the Hughes brothers. Okay. And it looked like he may fight out of it. You know, they're tough kids. You know, D-Vern has raised them well. And slipping in right on top of him with the claw, which is getting a lot of press these days. He put the claw on the man and pushed him all the way down. So you got a figure four and a claw on the guy. He did what any responsible guy would do and tapped out.
1: Wow. So Ricky Morton went over, had the figure four on him, and, and, and that team and took, George took South the slipped
0: win. in and put the claw, and put on. The old claw
1: on and the two old timers went over.
0: They found a way to cancel wow. out youth and exuberance.
1: <laughs> they said there's, we're still, we still got, we still got it. And, uh, and, th- and they won that night. But hey, you know, uh, we I wanted to hear how that ended. But you also let me know, and we want to make sure our listeners are aware that that's not the end for appearances. You guys are just getting started. You and Brock, you mentioned to me Monster Party Comic Con, conquered North Cacalaki, North Carolina. You and Brock, the we it's what weekend is that, Arne? You said it's coming up here. Is it February the sixteenth and seventeenth?
0: And 18th. So it'll be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. And uh, they got some really high profile people that are going to be there. Kane will be there who I always look forward to seeing. Uh, But I won't go ahead and list the other stars. It's easy to go to, you know, online and see who's going to be there in case I say somebody's going to be there and they don't show up and I would have had no reason or Uh, opportunity to know that so we'll just say it's a it's a loaded bunch of talent at this thing
1: we, uh, we had one of our listeners, uh, and, and this is, you know, listen, Twitter, by the way, I can't say thank you all so much for following us on social media and for all the support that we're getting out there. But I had somebody say, Hey, where did I hear? I heard you guys mention the arms going to be in Wheeling, West Virginia. That's in May, isn't it? Isn't there something going down in May that you're going to be in Wheeling? We'll have to check that, but I thought,
0: yeah, I, thought I saw watch-
1: promotion for that.
0: Uh, you know, that's one that may have slipped under the wire. May the 5th, you said?
1: I thought it was in May, but I don't know the exact date, but I thought that I saw it promoted on Instagram. And, uh, so we'll, we'll find it for you. It was Jeff S and he's, uh, at Walt, uh, WVU West Virginia. He said, I heard you mentioned the alarm was going to be in Wheeling where and when thanks. So listen, Jeff, we will, uh, we will lock that in those dates. I know we're still sitting here wrapping up January, heading into February, But uh, Arn's got his trusty calendar, and we will check that out for you. But uh, I I think you're going to be – you may be out there in that direction.
0: Sure, it it wasn't Beckley. Are you going to be in Beckley? Yes.
1: Okay, when's that date?
0: That's, I think, June the 1st, I think. Hold on.
1: Okay. I thought for sure I saw a promotional – a promotional deal for you. So I might be off there. I could be on me on, which wouldn't be my first, first mistake. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> well, so. but, uh, yeah, we're in Beckley, June the 1st,
1: June the 1st in Beckley. Okay. There you and that's, go. Uh,
0: that's it's separate shows and okay. that'd, be, that'd be great.
1: The other thing is, is uh, speaking of Twitter and social media, cause we're just doing it live here. It's, it's all good. Lapsed fan at fan underscore lapsed it says Paulie. Be well, show ask Arne where I am and Arn, I don't know if you can see this on my camera, but I he certainly looks like he might be somewhere where you've stayed a few times before. I who think he is, might be in Aruba.
0: Man?
1: It's one of our followers on social media, the Lapsed fan. And it looks like he may be down in Aruba. Has he uh, been
0: there before? Is this his first time?
1: Do we know that we don't know that, but, uh, he said, ask Orin where I am. So I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that he's down in the land where you love to spend a he lot is, of, your- he said,
0: paradise. paradise. Yeah, It is my number one. Now, keep in mind, I've been in a lot of nice places, you know, been to Hawaii and, you know, Curacao now, and you know, a bunch of, bunch of not really nice places, St. Thomas, St. Croix, you know, and nothing can touch Aruba.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Nothing. I got to get there. You, you've sold me on it big time. So and, look,
0: and before we, it slips away. There's one show I really want to promote. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be March. The second Dublin, Georgia. Okay. Yeah. It's no, a Saturday. It's the Emerald city fight fight night. And, uh, Brock is going to be wrestling John Schuyler. We're going to have a couple hour meet and greet before the show. I will have the comic books there. You know, we're, this is my first round getting those comic books out. And, uh, you know, even if it's mine, I'm getting some, some, some pretty good reviews on it as far as people enjoying it and treating it for what it is. And, uh, there were some inside stories that were a little shocking, but, uh, so it's going to be a really good show, D- Dublin, Georgia, Brock and, uh, and Skylar. And, uh, I want to say that's going to be a lot of fun.
1: So, man, you guys are busy. So they got the February event, 16th, 17th, 18th and Concord, North Carolina. Then you're heading down the first, the beginning of March down to Dublin, Georgia and, uh, Guys, catch Arn Anderson on the road. I'm starting to feel like Tony Schiavone on Saturday night when they'd go to the graphic. You can catch us, and then he'd go through all the dates and times in the arenas. But, uh, man, that's the way to see Arn and Brock. And and uh, will Brock be wrestling at that Comic-Con, or are you guys just doing meet and greets? No, that
0: that's yeah, there's no wrestling shows. Okay. It's just be meets and greets. Uh, but, it, you know, we're just now catching up. You know, the Comic-Cons have been very generous in using the wrestlers and having us and booking yes. us by me, but that's their, that's their deal. But now I've got a comic book and I'm like part of their family.
1: There you go. So it, like makes, it.
0: A, makes a little more sense. Uh, they've been very gracious. Everyone that I've attended, everybody was great. And uh, I look forward to it. We got some more coming Richmond, Virginia, you know, March the 15th, 16th, 17th going to be there. That's a big one. Uh, so it's going to start picking up here Yeah. after we get oh. through February.
1: Yeah. We'll, and we'll continue to hit on these guys at the top of the show. I know a lot of you are in these areas and looking forward to meeting Arnon Brock. So it's a lot of fun. You mentioned the comic book and we're going to touch on this and then we're going to move into the show, but, uh, it hit, it's been delivered. People are posting pictures Uh, really excited that your graphic novel has arrived and, and real quick on, I do want to note that anyone who might have had an issue or delivery or whatever, a chat, some type of a challenge, maybe there was something that, Hey, you were still looking for as part of the package. I wanted to mention it here, right on the podcast. You can reach out directly support at whalebacker.com. So support all one word at whalebacker, W H A L E. B-A-C-K-E-R.com. And uh, our buddy Dirk has asked for anyone who might have had a damaged package maybe, because it does happen, let's be honest, uh, to send photos, make the process easier for that company. They will replace it right away. Uh, but that's the ticket uh, to, to any kind of issues or challenges that you might have. But you said it, on The book itself, amazing feedback from your fans about the graphic novel, the stories, the illustration, bringing your memories to life. And, uh, this is a very quick, quick read, man. Uh, The research guy loved it. He said he read it in exactly your voice. He said he tried to read it in the voice (laughs) of Arne Anderson and it made it so much more enjoyable hearing, hearing you tell the stories. And so we look more forward to more feedback from the fans, but Arne, have you gotten any uh, feedback or heard anything so far on it?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are complimenting the artwork, you know, good. Um, comic books are meant to be comic books. They're not supposed to be a totally accurate depiction of how you really look. I'm learning this as I go. So, so they had some fun with it. A few shots. They made me look a little more jacked than I am. Obviously a uh, hairdo is always fun for everybody to have a good time with. So uh, yeah, it's going to be available at Amazon for pre-orders and all that too. And Barnes and Noble, believe it or not. That's like, nice.
1: uh, upper crust, isn't it? It's, it's something else. And, uh, for all those, which is crazy, there's little, there's little nuggets of people that they've added in sprinkled in, whether they be fans in the storyline, you've heard us talk about Amy Vaughn on this show. She's in there as a fan. You're
0: in there, Pally
1: i am and like you said they were very generous on how they depicted me i look chiseled uh got the nice bald head look going with the beard but i look i look like i'm chiseled out of granite that is I not told me you, you're a, damn good, you're
0: sure a damn good looking man
1: uh I'm marcus d'angelo's you. in there buddy your your social media guy he's
0: me in there he does a great job for he us does. So man. there's yeah. some
1: other people in there too so it's pretty cool man the the the, the nuggets that they've added to the book and uh we're just thrilled that it's that's arrived uh congratulations Uh,
0: yeah dom and marcus are a couple of our unsung heroes as well as everybody else that contributes and i can't thank you enough i don't thank you enough you guys know how i feel about you all of you research guy everybody
1: yeah, research guy. There you go, getting your flowers. He, he loves. He loves to hear his name on the show, Andrew, uh, and Dom. Like you, the thankless jo- taking care of our YouTube channel. There's just so many people that really help out behind the scenes, and we can't thank you enough. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. Marcus is a pretty, pretty young man, and he made the comic, so congratulations to you, buddy. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of good good things going on with the comic book, and we can't uh, thank you all enough for your support with that. Uh, so we'll get to uh, some other things at the end of the show because it's time to start. We're we're almost 10, 12 minutes into the show, and uh, let's kick it off. Let's get into our topic here this month. We're going to continue on, Arne with the march throughout your career. Last week, we did our monthly episode of Ask On Almost Anything. We received so many questions, guys. Don't worry. As I say every time we do that episode, we're going to get them mar- uh, the next time we, we do that episode. Um, and then we also did an added bonus for our ad-free shows, and that's where we hung out an extra half hour and did 30 more minutes for the ad-free show audience. So for all of you that may be not members of ad-free, it's, it's time to sign up. Go over there, join the ad free Network, and that's where you're going to find some bonus Arn content as well. So you want to check that out over there. Uh, a lot of different tiers. Uh, we just did a Top Guy Weekend. I talked about getting back from Tampa. I was down there helping out with an event down there. So check it out, adfreeshows.com. But Arn, this week, we return to the walkthrough of your career, and we're going to pick up the story where we left off at Spring Stampede Pay-Per-View in Chicago. And following on in that Spring Stampede event, uh, WCW sent Sting and Rick Rude to Japan to wrestle in an event at, uh, in Japan. And 53,500 attended this New Japan event. But, buddy, unfortunately, the most memorable thing that happened for WCW fans is this is Rick Rude's last match. He gets injured. He challenged Sting for the international title. The match goes 22 minutes. Then during the match, Sting dives over the top rope on Rude. When Rude catches him, he hits his back on the elevated platform where the ring was located. This occurred less than halfway throughout the match. Rude would manage to finish the match on, as you would expect. But, man, he injured his back. And uh, using a belt shot and off-the-top rope knee drop to regain the title here, that was how it was finished. But... There's a, there's a couple things about this one first on, I want to talk about this because we are going to talk about what this meant for rude. First of all, these are two of the biggest players in WCW and Bischoff sent them over to Japan to kind of repair the fractured relationship that had been going on between new Japan and WCW D- WCW. But Arn, you've wrestled in Japan? What did you think about these two specifically being handpicked to perform in, in new Japan?
0: Well, it's a tremendous honor to be singled out and, and gone over to pick to go over and represent your company. Uh, you know, you got to look at it to that. And those guys were as big a stars as there were in the business at that time. You know, uh, you always hate to hear about somebody getting hurt because I immediately go to, okay, he's hurt. He's a tough son of gun you know, Rick rude and to get through the match. I have no doubt that he gritted his teeth and got through it. You might not have even known he was hurt unless you knew what you're looking at, but now he's got to fly home. It's the dark part of the business that nobody ever thinks about or everybody knows. So now this guy had to somehow lay on a very small, uncomfortable bed till the next morning go to the airport really, really early, at least two hours early, and then he gets on a 13-hour flight to America, and however they routed him, if they went to L.A., he could have had a three- or four-hour layover in L.A., and then five more hours to the East Coast.
1: That's yeah, yeah. that's
0: the reality uh, that you don't see away from the actual matches.
1: No and I thank you for saying that because we as fans are sitting here thinking well what does that mean for WCW what about this and what about that when you're like as a wrestler and as a human being Paul just think about what it you know what he now has to go through the next day and 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 the trip back and and you're absolutely right man not only does he have that Little does he I don't even think Rude probably didn't even know at that point in time, hey, my career, my wrestling career is now over, but ultimately Arn, that's what, what happened. His career was over.
0: Oh, we never we never think that. Yeah. Oh, oh, we never think that. I know I didn't until you know the episode episode in the gym and the guy, a little bit of guy slapped me on the back. I'm sure Rude thought, okay, I'm dinged up. I'm gonna get on this damn flight and I'm gonna drink all the vodka that they'll give me. And try to get through it. thirteen hours, even if you're up in first class, is not pleasurable. Right. And uh, you know, it's just I wanted to throw that out there because it's the unsung part of what we do that it'd kill a normal person. You would absolutely, yeah. it would absolutely kill you. Um. Besides the fact that uh, of the you know the ramifications that being his last match, who would have known? Who would have thunk it?
1: And sometimes that gets lost on us as fans, right? We're like, "Oh, he got injured. What does that mean for wrestling? What does that mean for?" Again, to my point. Whereas, are we really thinking about what that is? For that person as an individual? aren't, I mean, my goodness, yeah.
0: You couldn't. You couldn't imagine who could. Yeah. Who could imagine that unless you've lived it? If right. I'm sure there are people that are going to re- rewind this a few times and go, "Now wait a minute, give me that again. You were where? How long? You had how long a layover? You?" You know, they don't, some people might not believe it. Although I lived it. And that's, that's besides the, on the front side of that flying over there, you had to do that same schedule to get there. Probably didn't have much, much time downtime. And now you got to go out and perform in front of an audience. That's they're different from American audiences. They're respectful, but they're not bombastic. They're not. You know, off the hook, through the roof, they're respectful, but it's not that what you would expect out of 53,000 people roaring like it would be in the States.
1: Arm, we're going to pause and talk about our favorite sponsor once again this week. That's right. It's Bluetooth time. And they're here to make sure you're delivering that spine buster, putting that spine to the pine every single time the right way and making sure you're prepared to do so. And they have a special offer for the listeners of the Arn Show. Isn't that right, Arn? Arn? Well, guys, Arn's not around right now. I think he's taking care of business, if you know what I mean. And I want to make sure you have the opportunity to take care of business too guys blue chew is an online prescription service no visits to the doctor's office we talk about it every single week no weird conversations you don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy and remember the biggest perk and benefit of this it ships right to your door in a discreet package so listen go to bluechew.com consult with one of their licensed medical providers they're just going to ask you a few questions make sure you're good your health's in order and you can take it and once they verify that it's going to be at your door within days all done online very easy and if you don't like swallowing pills no big deal the tablets are chewable very easy to consume so give it a try guys listen we hear a lot of folks that listen to our show that have reached out to us uh, directly through our show DMs and said, guys, you are spot on with what you've been talking about with Blue Chew. We have a lot of fun with it on the show, but I'm telling you, it takes away the worries, the anxiety, the stress, and helps you perform the way you want to perform, like a Hall of Famer like Arn Anderson. So there you go. Check it out. BlueChew.com can make sure you're able to perform at your very best every time. You get the opportunity to have fun, and here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code ARN. That's right, just those three letters, A-R-N, at checkout. You just pay $5 shipping. That's it. BlueChew.com, promo code ARN to receive your first month free. Once again, go to BlueChew.com for more details and safety info. Yeah. And, and, and so now you got the, one of the blue chippers, right? From, and when you talk about from a heel and a baby face, rude being a heel, he was second to Vader in 94 here in May and, uh, he's injuries. We know they happen, but Hey, uh, Rude is critical of Sting, Arn. I don't know if you knew that about being reckless because of that elevated platform and how the ring was set up, even blaming sting for his career ending uh, injury. Uh, but, uh, talk about that. The elements, They were set up differently. It's you got, I guess, understand your surroundings. No, Hey, there could be some differences here because of how this, this platform was attached to the ring. Uh, it jutted out a little bit from the ring. Uh, he took those two steps back to catch sting. Um, I don't know that you can lay it all on sting. Obviously root has passed, but just a terrible situation. Uh, looking at it,
0: I'm not gonna judge it or evaluate it without being able to see it, you know? I know, sure. I know being a professional, nobody meant for it to happen. It was horrified when it did.
1: Yeah. Uh, not no intention. Certainly, oh, well. an,
0: certainly an accident, but you're just as hurt and the ramifications were just as bad, whether it was intended or not, you know,
1: that's. He, uh, yeah. He he was one of those wrestlers on that had purchased a Lloyd's of London policy. So, uh, you know, for those that aren't familiar with those, if you're injured in the ring, uh, you know, if something happens with your career. The policy would pay for lost wages. Other wrestlers that had those policies included Kurt Henning, The Road Warriors, Ted DiBiase, Dynamite Kid. Did you ever have a policy like this, or what did you hear hear about like this? Lloyd's of uh, London I, deal. I,
0: well, I heard it was very expensive. Oh, I bet. You know, uh, and it, I couldn't afford it. There's no way I could. That would have fit our budget. I mean, I heard numbers love like. 15,000 a year premiums or something like that, Okay, in, you know, and that's back in early nineties. It's a lot of money. Um, yeah. You know, and you had to go through quite a bit of testing and a lot of stuff and be declared, I think even by a couple of doctors that you were no longer able to wrestle. It wasn't just, cash in your policy. I think there was a lot of stuff that a lot of guys had to go through as well. Sure. To qualify for it.
1: Yeah, he, uh, so he doesn't wrestle again, as I mentioned, he, uh, he makes appearances in ECW and WWF before coming back to WCW in 97, appearing on Nitro the night after the Montreal screw job. Uh, but man, this is a big loss for WCW again, second heel, only to Vader at this time period. Um, And we have a few fan questions, Arne. Um, We have uh, Nick Lenz, who's a a huge fan of the show and always listens each and every week. He said, Arne, do you remember how you heard about Rick Rude's back injury uh, at all during this time period?
0: Uh, Nick, to be honest with you, I would have treated that knowing what a tough son of a gun he is. We would have probably heard that he got hurt over in Japan and it would have been a broad strokes that's probably all we heard. Anybody that knows him's thinking, well, he got dinged up. He'll be back.
1: So to answer Aaron Sheen, he had the same question. Did you think the back injury would be career ending or did you think give it a year, he'll be back. And to your point, you were, it was one of those things that you thought hey, he'll be back for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, you never count anybody out. Anybody that makes a career of this business and loves this business, we, you know, we, ha- we heal up a lot quicker and a lot better than a lot of, a lot of regular citizens that get hurt because you know why we have to. Sure. We have to be, we have to get well, we have no choice. We got to go out and be able to perform. And at the same level that they're used to seeing you.
1: It, it, your fam feed and your family depends on it. Arn.
0: Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, and fans aren't going to understand. Well, he's permanently hurt and he can't do the stuff that he used to do. They don't look at it in that vein. You know, they just look at it as well. I guess his time has come and gone and they move on to who they follow and support and that's the way of the world. and And you should expect that. I mean, they pay to see you perform and they have expectations and they've earned those expectations and, when they can't get it, then I'm not sure they start, you know, they being fans, they start breaking it down to go, well, I wonder something really wrong. Is there something permanent I and mean, what's, what's going on here? They just go, you don't have it anymore. I guess mm.
1: that's why, you know, when I think about your retirement promo, you were just out there with exactly what happened, man. There was no mincing words with the fans, you were honest and shot straight with us.
0: Well, and it doesn't, you know, it was a hundred percent legitimate. It wasn't spectacular. It wasn't that I tried something off the top rope out to the fourth row of landed in the crowd or anything spectacular. It was just, you know, one nerve shut down and, and it affected my arm and my hand and it all happened pretty quickly. And, uh, It wasn't glamorous or anything like that. It just, one day I woke up, went to Gold's Gym in LA, tried to pick up a 20 pound dumbbell and couldn't. And that was, you know, that's not a spectacular ending to a career, Um, but it was just as devastating.
1: It reminds me of the story too, about Luger and the airplane when he when he turns, wasn't it like pulling or reaching or twisting a certain way when he got affected and, and start to, to what eventually led to his major, uh, condition as far as needing, you know, not being able to walk like he used to. Didn't he have a stroke? there there was part of that as well, too, but there was also an incident where I think he was in a plane ride or something, and he twisted a certain way or something happened where it was a twister turn type of injury that started uh, as well.
0: I so was that, not aware. you know what? I'm ashamed to say i'm I'm not aware of of that of yeah. how I, I just thought it was he flew across country, got off the plane, walked out to a, to go to the rent a car lot or something, and just fell out. Is that not? yeah? part of it that's the tail end of it right
1: yeah yeah there there that's part of, there's there's part of that story too and now I feel like oh man I'm probably just doing a disservice to how he's injured but again it really just goes back to he suffered a neck injury during a plane ride I got it here from Atlanta to San Francisco during a 2009 with WWE the way he turned his neck while sitting on the plane had basically cut off his blood flow and it was a freak accident but it calls massive swelling from his C six at the base of the neck to his D five in his chest. And it paralyzed him from the neck down.
0: Mm. There it is. On, I knew it yeah. was something really crazy yeah. like that.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's that type of thing. But when you're putting so much wear and tear on your body over the years on, it'll get it a catches up with you. And I think that's always the message that you try to tell these young guys.
0: Well, you know? that w- that would have been, you know, it's like that was the last piece he turned his neck wrong. Had that have been, you know, that would have never happened two years earlier. Right. They, you know, when well they, you know, you go out and you, you bump in these rings and you land on the floor and you run into these posts and all these things that occur. Then you go out and you, you load up in a rental car and you drive 300 miles and with the air conditioner blowing on cause you're still sweating from your match. And, you know, it's just, it's not a healthy, <laughs> it's not healthy, to be honest the, with you.
1: The body's going to give up at some point. It can't you know, take that over, over time.
0: If you want to, if you want to see something amusing, but sad in the same, in the same token, watch guys that if you could pull up to the, uh, to the hotel and wait for guys that really work hard and go out there and bust their ass for the audience, and then they take a quick power shower and they get in a fold up in four deep in a rental car and ride 350 miles, watch them unloading. Now that car on the other side, it's, it's mm. comedic, but it's not right. sad because it's four guys that can barely get out of the car.
1: Mm. We, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, put a bow on the rude injury front with this final question from Matt S and this is, this is kind of a fun one. Does arn have any idea? Well, you have no idea, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What happened to all Rick Rude's ring gear? I've never seen it show up anywhere despite there being plenty of pairs of tights. Arn, what say you? Do you know where Rick Rude's tights are?
0: Probably in a trunk and wherever his his uh, son is residing. Yeah, Probably there you in, go. in his closet. I would yeah. I would almost bet
1: we know one of them got stripped off when he had uh, Cheryl Roberts spray airbrushed on him back in the angle with uh, with Jake, Jake the Snake. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those those aren't around. Uh, we'll we'll move on from that. It's time to transition over to what I feel like is our weekly discussion on Hulk Hogan because of the time period that we are. Uh, we talked about in April Hogan signing with WCW and the WWF had the first rate of refusal in May sixteenth Observer. Because that's where we're at here. Meltzer reported the following on the Hogan situation. As for Hogan, it is pretty much a done deal. Titan Sports informed WCW last week that they would not be matching Hogan's offer. Although at this point, nobody expected anything different. Scenarios we hear are sketchy, but it is believed that Hogan will make a surprise appearance at the June 23rd Clash in Charleston, South Carolina, to lead to his July 17th pay-per-view appearance which could be right in the middle of the steroid trial. The location of the Bash pay per view is not confirmed, but it will be in Florida, and the Orlando Arena seems to be most likely the place. But there it is, Arn. We discussed it last week or two weeks ago. WCW pushed all in for Hogan. WWF declines to match the offer. And uh, as we know now, Hulk's first match is booked Bash at the Beach, 1994. And we talked about Vince finally cutting ties with Hulk and what that looked like. But let's talk about the state of WCW here in May of 1994, because under Ted Turner's ownership, WCW failed to match the numbers and success that Jim Crockett promotions enjoyed from 85 to 88. So here we come. The answer is Hulk Hogan, I guess, right? He's coming from the WWF in their minds, uh, where the production value second to none, as you said, marketing machine, you've talked about it. It's exactly that, a machine. Hogan was certainly the beneficiary of both uh, of both that production and marketing for a decade as the leader of that roster. But uh, let's Monday m- morning quarterback this for a little bit. Did WCW, in your mind, have the infrastructure to bring someone in like a Hulk Hogan as far as what his demands would be? <sighs>
0: You know, they were still, you got to look at WCW for what it was at that point in time. It was still a startup company. It wasn't Jim Crockett Promotions, albeit there were leftover talent that were featured with Jim Crockett Promotions, but it was still a startup company. Um, I was a little worried, you know, to bring a guy in like that, which, you know, a year or even a year earlier, you would have said, well, that'll never happen. Vince will never let him go. He's there for, for life. Uh, but then when it happened, I st- I remember having a thought, well, who do you have heated up? It's hot enough. It's got enough heat. Hmm. That's going to be something that is must see. You know what I mean? I was, Yeah. You know, I ran, ran down the thing, the lineup in my head. I just went, for a guy to come in like that, if he's going to wrestle right away, you need to have a guy that's on the other side of the ball that has got a ton of heat. So, so you want to come into my company? I'll take care of this, guys. You know what I mean? I but do. done But done in a heel way, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, and you think of what the magic of what McMahon did in the 80s, he fed him all the big man from Bundy to Andre to boss man. I mean, he line them up, right? Hogan was killing the Giants, slammed the Giants in the 80s, then a transition to the Savages and Ultimate Warriors and whatever, but they were top. They were groomed and ready to go, ready to rock and roll with Hulk Hogan. And to your point, what does that look like in WCW? Uh, we were talking about the production and the marketing too. You got to think Hogan's such a businessman and he's been around Vince for so long. You got to hope that he and Bischoff were having those conversations though about merchandise and what are we doing here uh, as far as merch? What's the plan? Cause that was running so hard and so well in the WWF days. Don't you think?
0: Yeah. And I'm sure it would have been centered around, you know, What hasn't been done. I would like to think that those guys are both sharp enough. Let's don't backtrack. Sure. Whatever our marketing scheme is going to be and whatever the product we're going to push. And you know, that that's a part of the business that that I never was, you know, part of, I wasn't viewed as being marketable. Hogan was certainly viewed as being marketable. He was the guy. But the thing is, when you come in fresh and switch companies, On the tail end of that shock, I would think you would be marketing something new, something different.
1: Yes, you you mentioned in our show, April 1994, Hogan, the greatest self-promoter the business has ever seen. Uh, As we know, this move cost WCW so much money. There was no way Hulk would be used as anything other than the top guy. It just doesn't make sense, right, Arn? No, you have to.
0: You I mean, you got to. He's got to be your focal point if you're going to spend that kind of money
1: period right right Meltzer says there's tremendous skepticism among many of the top wrestlers in WCW to this deal because of the huge amount of money Hogan will be making the guarantee he'll be on top and almost surely with the main title yet only working limited dates that everything will be focused on Hogan and he won't be at the house shows especially since this is a short-term deal The the odds are great against it ever being a long-term deal because of Hogan's non-wrestling commitments. There is widespread belief within the industry that Hogan and Flair's attempt to relive what they never got to do the right way is simply too late in the game for both of them to do the business, the money that's expected. Um it sounds like from what Meltzer's writing here, there's some a little bit of resentment already surfacing from the wrestlers because Hulk is, is being automatically inserted here on into that top slot, working limited dates, wants to be paid the highest amount of money. Um, buddy, you've been in the business for 40 years. Would, what concerns would you have that there were already rumbling? Was there rumblings? Do you remember anything that, on happiness?
0: Well, and that's a natural way for those guys to feel. Sure. I mean, just the way you just laid it out, he's going to work less dates for more money. You know, he's going to have a relaxed schedule. He's going to be allowed to do anything outside that he wants, movies. So I'm sure, you know, Ted Turner is a brilliant man. I'm sure, you know, he didn't build the empire that he built by being stupid. He, he In the back of his mind, he's thinking, okay, will Hogan do another Rocky three? you know, which propelled Hogan. Sure. You know, superstardom. I mean, good God Almighty, who hasn't seen that movie?
1: Right, Thunderlips. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah.
0: So you know, but human nature is, if you're a top guy for WCW and you've been in the trenches and you know you you've seen bad houses and you've seen houses start to come up a little bit, and you be the one that's responsible as the angles start to get better and you know, the company starts to get stronger. And then, you know, it was common knowledge. I don't know if any numbers were out there. I don't recall any numbers, but it's, let's face it. He's going to get the lion's share of, of, of the profits.
1: And it's got to take it. It's got to be a hit on the morale. Yes. Big business. Yes. Name, brand value for WCW. But there's got to be a little bit of concern as a leader of an organization when you think about what does this mean for the morale, of the rest of the comp- company. At least I would think so. But
0: here's the one thing that you can think about, and it's a it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. When you find out a guy's going to come in and have the opportunity to make, you know, I'm sure he was like pay for views was a percentage, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was,
0: it was no fixed income. That's right. The beauty of WCW, which which I took a lot of uh, pride in the fact that we had guaranteed money, and if you didn't draw a lot of money, you still got your pay, but now you're going to be wrestling Hulk Hogan, and if you would have been working for Vince, you would have, if you got a sold-out Madison Square Garden and you were wrestling Hulk Hogan, you would have got a huge payoff. Now you're going to get what you always get your weekly salary mm. you know and and guys they don't think about well i got paid on a a week that wasn't very good wasn't very profitable and i still got my money whatever that was you know that's the way that i thought about it you know but oh, uh, absolutely but but the guys that you know if there was a big house and it was sold out they were if you came from the era of working for Vince and every other company out there, you know Turner was the first guy to give guaranteed money. You know, and uh, it uh, it's just the way. How do you approach it? How do you look at it? It was it was a point of contention with a lot of guys and a lot of conversations. I'm sure went down. Rick- the
1: yeah. cost of it. New Year's resolutions are hard, but saving money is easy with SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket, but if you've got credit card debt, you can get rid of it just like that and skip your next two house payments. That's right, no payments until April at SaveWithConrad.com. The team at Save with Conrad are routinely helping families just like yours save five, six, seven, even $800 a month. Find out how much money you can save for free at savewithconrad.com. MLS number 32416, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com.
0: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about
1: You could be a glass-half-empty guy, I guess, and a glass-half-full guy. Easy to see where we're glass-half-empty here, has a talent. Like, look at this guy coming in, taking all the money, not working house shows, whatever the case may be. Or you could say, well, as a glass-half-full, he's going to attract a lot of business for us, and maybe that means more salary for us or more money for us down the road. I guess there's just a few different ways that you could look at that as talent. Uh, At the end of the day, though, aren't just like anybody else. If, If I'm a wrestler... I want to feed my family, as you said often before. So at the end of the day, you know, I want to make sure that I'm going to ha- still have that opportunity. And if Hogan's making all this money, buddy, he better still be, he still will be sh- still buddy shitting lightning and, and crap and thunder and bringing in the money and the ratings and the pay-per-view buys then if we're going to be paying them all this.
0: That's a natural thought process. And I'm sure a lot of people have it. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, Brad Stanton wraps up this, this part of our, our show with the Hogan talk. Were you afraid of what WCW could turn into by signing Hulk? Do you feel like, Hey man, are we really trying to become WWF eighties light here? Like, did you ever have any thoughts around that?
0: No, no, they were, they were still two distinctly different companies. They were different products. I never, I never thought they were going to come in and, and because that was all Vince, that wasn't Hogan. Hogan was just the benefactor of, of it,
1: of of the Vince plan. But you weren't necessarily afraid of bringing him in and what that impact could be to WCW.
0: No, I was okay. just going to, I was just sort of going to sit back and see. And like I said, I, in my mind, I'm into mechanics and breaking it down and going, okay, if I had to sit down and write a show. Who's his opponent? Who's going to be his opponent next next time, okay. and the time after that? And how do we start right here and build towards all that? You know? Right. Old yeah. school, old, old school booking.
1: Yeah. How do we build this right now that we have them? Take advantage of this opportunity.
0: What month would this have been? Did he come this, in July? This, is,
1: this we're talking May, but yeah, then he then they're May. talking about him showing up in June, and then the pay-per-view is July that he debuts.
0: So when he walked out in July, I would have my immediate thought process would be, okay, so what are we going to do for the big fall show? Who are you going to build to? I would almost skip ahead to that. All right. It doesn't matter who this opponent is. It's got to be what it's got to be. Hogan's got to be a monster and go over who's next. Yeah. Then, then who's the following March or April, then who's the following summer, you know, and, and, if mistakes have been made in the past in different companies, it's that you didn't have enough guys built and in line to take that next top spot.
1: To fulfill that plan, to fulfill that plan that you just laid out.
0: Um, old saying in the wrestling business, you know, there's dragons and there's dragon slayers, but you don't need dragon slayers unless you have dragons.
1: Mm, that's good. That's good. All right. Let's uh, talk a little bit here about Slamboree, a Legends reunion, because one of your old tag team buddies comes back. Uh, This takes place at Philadelphia Yarn Civic Center. You've been there plenty of times at the Civic Center. And believe it or not, 4,800 fans attended the event, 3,600 paid. And looking over the card, we can confidently say that was not an issue, but we do want to hit the high points of this one because Commissioner Nick Bockwinkle addresses the situation that we talked about earlier with Rick Rude in the match in Japan. <coughs> Bockwinkle said that because Rude cheated to win the title, he was giving the championship back to Sting. Sting and typical babyface fashion said he's not taking the title back that way and, des- and instead decided the winner of the match between him and Vader – will wrestle for the international title later that night. Uh, So there you go. That's how they kind of handled that situation with Rude. But then up next, here it is. Tully Blanchard made a rare in-ring appearance, taking on Terry Funk. They fought to a double DQ after Tully kicked Nick Patrick and Funk hit Blanchard with the branding iron. This one was a fight from start to finish, Arn. And I know it's been 30 years but this is one of Tully's handful of matches he wrestled after retiring from the ring. Do you remember the situation and the circumstance of him coming back for this one-off appearance or any memories from that night in Philadelphia? Nothing. No.
0: Okay. No worries. You know, I just, there's probably a number of, negative reasons that I don't remember it. I probably had some attitude where that was concerned uh, and didn't watch it purposely gotcha. because, because of that. And that's on me. That's it's uh, no way for a grown man to act. But, you know, very seldom did I have a negative attitude about anything in, in my tenure in the business. I tried to make either something that was negative into a positive, or I tried to take the negative stuff and at least groom it and disguise it and make it come across as being uh, positive. Even if I didn't feel that way, I have no recollection, which means I didn't watch it. So uh,
1: yeah, no. Hey man, I appreciate your honesty there. Um, if you think about it, this is May 94, you would have last seen him. What then? 1990? When you came back to WCW and he didn't pass the.
0: Yeah. Well, probably the last time I would have seen him would have been. Ooh, he wasn't in they he had went home about six weeks before survivor series. Was it
1: okay? Yeah. So that was 89.
0: About, yeah.
1: All we right. Turned, so we
0: turned in our notice and about six weeks in he had his issues with, uh, uh, private stuff and they sent him home six weeks early and I finished on out my three month notice. So uh, I don't four know. And half years. Yeah. You know, I had uh, no, I hadn't laid eyes on him.
1: Yeah. Drew Landry had asked, he said, do you remember if you exchanged words, Drew? No, they didn't. And, uh, it's been about four and a half years, right. At, before I'm not survivor series. And, and you, and to your point, you don't even think you saw him that night. You didn't go out of your way to even see him that night. Right.
0: Not probably knowing me and being, you know, again, it was, it's not a way that grown men should act. I'll probably have made sure that I avoided him.
1: I'll read this question. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, uh, work through it. TJ Stevens. Uh, great to hear from you, TJ. He said, uh, Tully really hadn't been seen in major wrestling scenes since your WWF run at the end of 89, to your point, albeit a run in the AWA in 1990. There's also the infamous story of Tully being lowballed on an offer to return to the horseman at Slamboree 1993. Did Tully feel uh, this way? This was his way back in here in June of 94, or was this just a one-off? Was there plans to bring the horseman back together? How does Tully even get brought up? Tully wouldn't be seen again until early 95, debuting for ECW, but aren't it sounds like, there was nothing talked to you about this tele appearance mentioned to you nothing going on here.
0: Well, well I did, I did hear that they did lowball him on, okay, they were I've going to bring him
1: 93. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it wasn't what he, sh- I mean, it was a lowball. It was, it was exactly that. And uh, they were probably thinking he was desperate. Needed the job and they could pull a fast one. There uh, is all I can figure. He's a prideful guy. I'm sure he knew what his worth was. And I think there was actually a conversation. Well, if you're going to only offer me that much money, I only want to work X number of days. Sure. That, unless I'm dreaming that, I think that was a thing. And they didn't come to any terms that night. And that was pretty much the end of
1: it. The end of it. There you go. So uh Tully would come in here, do his thing, and and then and then move on down the road. Arn, just to put a bow on the Tully conversation, when did you two finally cause this is four years, when did you two cause I've seen you at, at shows and gotten pictures with the two of you together? When do you, do you remember when you finally had that ha- hashed it out or conversation?
0: Uh I don't remember but there was clearly a patching up of, yes, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: Sure. Sure. We had a
0: great thing and we both, you know, probably didn't handle it the right way. Um, but there was a lot more people involved in it that caused, caused that to go South other than us. As we, as we know, we know that story, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't remember if it was like a random running into each other and we had a sidebar or, or exactly exactly when it was. But we talked a lot when he came to work for AEW, where we would be in the locker room a lot. And, you know, and just kind of yucked it up and had fun with it and uh, kind of repaired the relationship. That's
1: good. That's good. And it's one of those things, too, where – Eighty-nine is a long time ago, and time heals all wounds. And you get grow up and mature. And Tully obviously has changed a lot over the years, as of you, Arn, right?
0: I hope so. I hope I'm a better yeah. man and a better human being than I was then. You know. Um,
1: yeah, sure.
0: Had no problem in those days. You know, the Crockett days and the, the WWF days, and even the first part of you know WCW. But I had no problem standing up for myself if I knew I was right.
1: Sure. Well, we move on as we continue on. Thank you for sharing some of that with us. And then up next it's Dustin Rhodes and bunkhouse Buck, your buddy wrestled in a bull rope match that night. And uh, Arne, this is a continuation of a feud between the two and a return from a previous match on spring stampede where Buck defeated Dustin in a bunkhouse match. Uh, But like their other encounters, this one was violent. The crowd was chanting, we want blood. And Dustin won the match, but Terry Funk attacked Dustin with the branding iron after the match. And Buck and Funk busted Dustin open, continued to beat his ass down until the referees broke the fight up. But I wanted to highlight highlight this one because in the weeks after Slamboree, you, my friend, are going to be inserted directly into this program. Uh, For longtime fans, the Funk-Roads rivalry is legendary. As Dusty and Terry fought all over the country during the 70s and early 80s in a true blood feud. But uh, do you like the callback to that rivalry here this time in certain Dustin instead of Dusty? Uh, how do you like that?
0: This is where Dustin asked me to be his partner. Right? That's
1: correct. I yes. loved
0: I loved it. You know, and Jim Hurd, who you know who, not Jim Hurd, I'm sorry. Jim Barnett. Yes. You're familiar with who was yep. You know, had a lot of stroke in the business for a long, long time. He owned Georgia Championship Wrestling, you know, and Ole was a part of that. But he was a very influential guy. And he came up to me the night, you know, he had watched the build to the match. We finally got there, and he walked up to me and went, oh, well, Arn, I hope this mm-hmm. one works out for you. So, well, Mr. Barnett, thank you very much. I hope it does too. And he was very sincere. Very sincere. He had never said anything like that to me because, you know, I'd been there a while now and they had run out of stuff to do with me. The horseman theme was defunct. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. I, I think he was a little nervous if that would get over or not, what we had worked out. And I feel like it did. I don't it think did. anybody saw that turn that night.
1: Well, uh, Arn, will continue through here some of, the, some of this card. I want to go over some of the highlights of it because the next match from that card I want to talk about, Ric Flair takes on a mystery opponent, and it's managed by Colonel Robert Parker himself. And Parker had been teasing for several weeks this mystery opponent. The man under a hood uh, attacked Flair on WCW Saturday night, left him laying. Turned out the mystery opponent, none other than Barry Windham, Wyndham left WCW the year before after not having a longer run with the world title as the mystery opponent. And this is not one of their classics from the 80s, but instead it went 10 minutes. Flair defeats Barry with the crossbody from the top rope. No bullshit, Arn. Flair off the top for the win here. We haven't said that much on this show. This will be the last time Barry is in WCW for four years as he blew his knee out in the match. And uh, that probably explains why the ending after 10 minutes.
0: Oh, he blew his match. He blew his knee out that night.
1: He sure did. Yep.
0: I don't remember that either.
1: Yeah. So there you go. That's an interesting one. And then I want to talk about the match of the night, at least according to the readers of the Observer, Cactus Jack, and my buddy, your friend, Kevin Sullivan, defeated the Nasty Boys in a Philadelphia street fight that night. And uh, before we get to the match double-A, the devil is back on television subbing for an injured Max Payne in this one. Uh, so there you go. Talk about Kevin Sullivan because, man, I know that you uh, knew him from your run and Jim Crockett promotions, but here in 94, he's working on the creative team and uh, he'll be the booker soon in a couple of months. How much fun was it to work with uh, Kevin Sullivan?
0: If you've ever talked sports with, with Kevin Sullivan, you realize how brilliant he is.
1: He's a genius, man. He he asked me questions about stuff and I am so lost. He knows it all.
0: Days, dates, times, inside stuff that you you would never remember about any, any kind of sport you want to talk about. The guy's brilliant. And, you know, he's brilliant as far as wrestling angles and, and wrestling in general. And, uh, you know, when you come up and you go through the, the dusty road system and you go through the, the Graham system of doing stuff like they did in Florida, Kevin was there for a lot of that. And you learned how to build a foundation and build a company and build your stars. And he's just, uh, he's just a really brilliant guy. I, I love Kevin. Kevin and I were friends when, when I started helping in the office when Rick was the booker and then Rick left and it was Kevin kind of stepped into that role. I, I was like going to the office with him and, and helping him during the week. And you really see the inside workings of just how smart he really was. And we'd go to the office every day and uh, go to Gold's Gym right after the, the office day was, was over. And then we'd have a couple of beers and it was, it was a good time. I had a really good time spending with Kevin.
1: I always know how to get a smile out of him or really make him happy. And it's on the show and it's just by mentioning or bringing you up or mentioning your name. So, uh, he's, he's a big fan of yours, Arne. And, uh, I always makes him happy when I talk about Arne Anderson on our show that we do,
0: well, I'm a big fan of his too. And I really enjoy that time that we had together. I really did.
1: He, uh, he had a slugfest match here. There were potatoes and live rounds galore. In oh, I can match.
0: imagine.
1: I was gonna ask if anybody lived. <laughs> the Philly and they're in Philly. I mean, come on. This match included special enforcer hockey legend Dave the Hammer Schultz, Cactus and Sullivan would win. They beat they beat the Nasties and took the titles off of them after Max Payne hit Sags with a guitar. Cactus breaks a hockey stick over Nobb's back. It, it was it was it was a shit show, but it was a fun shit show watching them all beat the hell out of each other, uh, as you would expect in a match like
0: that. Did, didn't hurt having Dave Schultz, who's legendary in that town and right. legendary in hockey in the in the area. I'm sure it didn't hurt
1: not at all. And uh, and then in the main event Sting takes on Vader for that vacated International World Title which we talked about and it goes 14 minutes. Sting wins with a splash from the top rope. It's a good match, not one uh, not one that many fans talk about as far as the Sting and Vader rivalry, but uh, you know, the Sting victory helped set up the unification match the following month which we're going to get to next week and we'll discuss that which is Sting and Flair and they unify those titles, that International and the World Title. Um, But man, uh, what a fun event this was. Uh, As we told our listeners, you were not on this pay-per-view, but you're working a lot with Brad Armstrong and Bobby Eaton. But this month, you find yourself involved in the genesis of one of the more memorable stories from 1994, Arn, And that, of course, is the stud stable. This interaction between you and the sud Stable was recorded on May 2nd, episode of Saturday night. It wouldn't air until May 28th, buddy. But uh, this interaction was set up with an interview that takes place earlier in the evening as Colonel Parker surprised the WCW audience when he introduced his new bodyguard, a favorite of the Arn Anderson show, sweetheart of a guy, and certified badass, the human vegematic, Ming. That was, his, uh, that was his bodyguard. But Ming, then known as Haku, had been with WWF, man, all the time. That was, that was the company he had been a part of. But here's a completely different presentation. He's in black. He had the suit on. He had the aviator sunglasses. And uh, he had that fingerless fighting gloves on his hands. And Colonel Parker claimed the next person to put his hands on him we need to think about facing Ming. And then adding to this whole mystique of Ming, Gene Okerlund tries to interview him, and Ming would not speak at all. And uh, for the long time fans are, and this is almost a throwback to the Big Bubba days when Jim Cornette had a big mm-hmm. bubble with him. But uh, we know you love Ming, spent time with him. But what did you think about him finally coming over to WCW?
0: Oh, I loved it. I love that guy. Every time I see him now, I hug his neck, give him a, give him a kiss on the head.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: as as tough and as superhuman tough as he is if he was your friend there is not a thing he would you know we use cliches like give you the shirt off his back or whatever there's nothing he would lay down in the road and let a car run over him to keep from hitting you he is that that kind of guy you know and, and the island people you know they're so loyal across the board in our business but I think they're all in agreement of one thing. To this day, Haku is still the world champion, just uncrowned.
1: And certified badass, as you call
0: him. And you know what? A great worker. Yeah. People don't realize back, you know, when he's doing the Islander thing, I mean, here's a guy, he could take a guy six foot five and just from standing in front of him, just bring up a kick and kick over his head. It was, it was unbelievable how athletic he
1: was. a guy, his size and stature oh, and, and build. Six Absolutely. foot,
0: six one, 300 pounds.
1: <sighs> athletic is all, is all jump hell.
0: up and kick over your head. I mean, come on.
1: Yep. The, uh, this promo, by the way, is set up what we would see Nexus fans. It's an enhancement match. You defeated Kenny Kendall. You remember Kenny Kendall yeah. <laughs> with a DDT at two minutes and seven seconds. I do
0: actually. Do you? Oh, good. Yeah. That's
1: fantastic. The Had, a match, look. Had a good look. Oh, there you go. The match was designed to set up this post-match interaction that occurs. I'm going to tell you about it. Gene Okerlund interviews you about the possible reunification of the horsemen. However, Robert Parker steps in with Mang, interrupted you and said, you were wasting your time with this talk of the horsemen. And he wanted to add him to his stud stable. And when you responded, Parker put Ming between him and you before you told parker that you weren't for sale and parker couldn't afford you even if you were that's what you said arn uh, but man this is a lot this is some good interaction first you they're using ming the right way here his presence on tv and uh and the person trusted with his first confrontation is you they put you nose to nose with ming were you worried about your nose by the sure. way cuz he's bit yeah. off a of nose two or two hasn't
0: yeah. he? i didn't want him digesting my nose <laughs> <laughs> even though it's not very big, it's mine. I don't want to lose it. Yeah, I mean, it, you get a full. Even though we're, you know, this is wrestling. We're in the ring together. This is an interview. Just looking in his eyes and just his whole demeanor, being that close to him, you you get a a sense of who he is. You can just tell just by the oh, yeah. just the way he looks at you he would get glazed over and it's like, Oh God, I hope he don't have a flashback to something in a former life.
1: Right. He, he, uh, the stud stable, by the way, um, they're in a knee deep feud with Dustin Rhodes and you've had a history with Dusty, obviously. And so we know this is a slow build that's culminating into you turning on Dustin at the bash of the beach pay-per-view. But what do you think about the way this creative begins here with Parker making the pitch for you to join the stud stable? Do you like the way that they're kicking off kind of the storyline, trying to tempt you to come to the dark side?
0: Yeah, uh, I did. It was nice to be figured in and Colonel Parker was so entertaining. Anyway, he could make, I mean, anything entertaining, but when you listen to what he actually said, he made a lot of sense. And you got, here you got Terry Funk and you got bunkhouse Buck, right? Yeah. I mean, what a lineup and and mean now for God's sakes. yeah, Holy shit. If I was Dustin, I wouldn't have been very happy about that group of guys being after me.
1: Gavin says uh, he wants to talk about Colonel Robert Parker. Robert Fuller was only about 45 years old here, Arne, at this point when he arrived in WCW. I was hopeful they'd use him more in the ring. Do you have any insight as to whether it was his decision to not do ring work or just the role that was planned for him? Probably
0: that would have been his call. I mean, when, when I was in Pensacola and I was working for those guys, I mean, I worked with them a lot. He was a great baby face. You know, the audience loved him. Uh but I think he either had an injury or he was just smart enough to get out. He saw the evolution of the business, which was, you know, it came from an old school territory mentality with continental, you know, the business was evolving into bigger and higher and more bodies and better bodies and higher impact moves and all that. And he just decided, well, I want to stay in the business. It's what my, father and grandfather before him had done. So he came up with that character and he was great. He was absolutely great.
1: Well, Arn, listen, this is going to wrap up our coverage in May, 1994. Before we get out of here, we have a few questions from our fans. We're going to hit them rapid fire and then close this one down for the week. We talked a lot about sting today. Patrick Ruth wants to know, what is your all-time favorite sting moment? Do you have an all-time favorite sting moment?
0: Oh, I guess the conclusion of the match he had with Flair the night he was made. You know, okay, Rick, Clash Rick, of the
1: Champions won.
0: Yeah, Rick made him.
1: Uh Drew Landry is back with this question. He says, Ming is here. If he gave you a cheeseburger, would you accept it and
0: eat it with a smile? Or would he get a double A buster? I'd lick my fingers after I got through eating it.
1: <laughs> oh man, the only right answer. I love it.
0: I wouldn't turn him down on anything.
1: Right. Cheese included. Cheese Uh, included. A wrestling historian wants to know, what was your reaction when you first saw Paul White? Thanks in advance. Paul White.
0: Chicago. We're upstairs in the locker room. Um, and hit the guy that was like his legitimate manager, Jimmy. I don't know if you've met, have you met Jimmy? But he, you know, no. he, they had, they had, he had either hired Paul to do like security work at different nightclubs or something. But I mean, here's a guy legitimately seven two. And at this point, he was a, a weightlifter too. On top of that, he had to be 400 pounds and in shape. I mean, he was like, he walked in the door with Jimmy and Jimmy said, Hey guys, I just want to come in and say hello. And I can't remember whose affiliation Jimmy had who he was friends with, but it was somebody, I mean, we knew who he was and a really a nice guy. And then Paul stepped in behind him and shut the door and was just leaning on the door. Like it was almost like a message. Nobody's leaving. You know what I mean? Sure, Everybody yeah. that's in here is going to sit here, but I think it was just talking to Paul later. He was a huge wrestling fan, and he said I felt intimidated. There's, there's Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, there's Paul Orndorff. He can tell you the story, and he said they're all sitting around. He said my teeth almost fell out. He said, kind of had to lean on the door just to catch myself. He, he was starstruck. Who'd sure. have thunk it? Because, brother, he had long dark hair you know, and he had on, had to be the biggest leather coat ever made. Yeah. I mean, yep. he had the look, he looked like a gangster, but a giant gangster. And he never said a word.
1: Yeah, just as a reminder for our, for our listeners, white debuted for the company the following year and is immediately inserted into the program with Hulk as he should have been. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean that's,
1: he's ready made for Hulk Hogan.
0: Well, Hulk saw him and he went back. Now, this is the same mentality of going back and killing all the Giants with WWE, right?
1: That's correct.
0: correct. You know, here's another one-man gang or another Andre or another monster boss man.
1: Big John Studd.
0: Here's one that nobody has ever seen and nobody knows. And Paul just had great aptitude for this business.
1: Arn Brian Haremzo wraps us up. Final question. He wants to know Larry Zabisco would go on to win the TV title from Steven Regal. Were you happy to see Larry win the title? And did you say anything to him after winning the championship?
0: I want to say I walked by Larry and I wanna say I said something like, You have to get off your ass now, Larry. And by the way, that's my title.
1: <laughs> that's great. I love
0: so, it. Well Arn. Our- I know what this means to you or something like that.
1: (laughs) Oh, so good. Larry impressions will never get old. I love it.
0: Yeah. He he cracks me up. He's funny as shit and he's just being him. He's not trying to be funny. No, that's what's so funny about it.
1: Right. Oh, so good. Hey, listen, guys, before we get out of here, we want to remind you about how you can support us. The best way is to check out the merch stores, Arn, uh, Arn store, as well as the Four Horsemen stores, boxofgimmicks.com. There's a lot of new t-shirt designs, tumblers, koozies, pins. Be on the lookout for that JD Hoop created Hall of Fame shirt. As soon as I have the design on. It's coming over to you for you to check out. And then we're going to get it on our stores. And uh, it is for our man, who's the 2024 recipient of the Frank Gotch Award. And then at the horseman store, you're going to find the horseman hats, the jackets. I'm sporting my horseman hat now. And they come in 12 different colors, those jackets. are, And you just ordered a bunch of the hats yes. uh, for your appearances because they're going like hotcakes.
0: Well, they for some reason, they caught on people start going yeah. hey that's a good looking hat you know and normally at these events i have pretty good spread of eight by tens and stuff and it, you know a lot of different selections you know horseman pictures and just pictures of me me and brock and all this and you know i want to say that the merch kind of got looked over but for some reason it's caught on and and they that's are great. it's good work it's, they're good look those white hats are off the hook I
1: love it. I love it. Well, listen, as we wrap up the show, I want to remind you, if your business targets that 25 to 54 year old audience, there's no better place than to advertise with us here on advertisewitharn.com. We have that super targeted audience that we've talked about before on the show. So you can do that. Check it out. A lot of, of the similar companies have advertised with us. Take advantage of advertising with us right here. Advertisewitharn.com. We'll put over your product, your service, whatever the case is. And uh, we're looking forward to having great partners here on this fantastic show, Reliving Arn's History. Once again, Advertise advertisewitharn.com. Our next week, we're going to discuss... Your increased role in the stud stable with the Dustin Feud. Sherry Martell is coming into WCW. <laughs> Clash of the Champions from Charlotte, Char- I'm sorry, Charleston, South Carolina. And you're agreeing to tag with Dustin Rhodes. Hulk Hogan's interview with Jimmy Hart. The unification, as I mentioned earlier, of the world and international world title. Ric Flair's turning heel again. I mean, come on. He should have just stayed heel. Uh, but that's going to set up that match with Hogan at bash at the beach. Arn, thank you so much for doing the show with me again this week.
0: My pleasure. Always, Paul. Thank you. Thanks to there everybody involved with the show sponsors, everybody. Thank y'all. There you go.
1: There you go. Now. Well said Arn. We have such a great team on behalf of the enforcer, Arn Anderson. This is Paul Bromwell, and we'll see you right back here next week on another episode of Arn.